Do you eat, sleep, dream about anything related to eye care? So do we. This is See What We See with Lauren and Martin. My name's Lauren Cashin. And I'm Martin LeBeau. We want to share anything that's cool about eye care. We want you to see what we see. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of See What We See with Lauren and Martin. Hey, Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Martin. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. So what are we talking about today, Lauren? Personally, I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, when it comes to corporate and being in the industry, we see a lot of the business side of companies, especially large companies. The public sees the advertising, it's advertising products, how uh, you know their lives can be better with the products. As opticians, uh, either business owners or working within practices, you know, we have our sales reps come in, we're always talking about product and how we can make people's lives better, you know, improve their vision with all these new and great products. But something that companies don't always boast about, and that's their altruistic side. So today, our topic is going to be about that side of Essilor slash Luxottica. So Martin, why don't you introduce our guest? It would be my pleasure to do so, Lauren. So I'd like to introduce our guest for today, Chris Kaum from Essilor Canada. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks very much for inviting me to talk with you guys today. Well, thanks for coming on board. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, what your role is and what you do. Absolutely. So I've actually been with Essilor for uh, 14 years, going on 15 years now, I think. Uh, I've been in the industry now for a little over 24, 25 years. Uh, my role within Essilor actually started on more of the commercial side of the business um, and operations, doing um, management of a, a local lab here in Ottawa. So I was the branch manager for the Essilor lab in Ottawa uh, and was also responsible for some of the business development for the, the local area as well. Uh, over the years, that's sort of the experience that I've had uh, to a large extent within the region. But over the last few years, I've been fortunate enough to work a little bit more with Essilor's mission and philanthropy group uh, locally here in Canada. Uh, we launched the Essilor Vision Foundation back in 2015. So we're still very young. Uh, and as a result of that, there's been a lot of opportunity to help develop some of the programs uh, that will be the, the foundation, so to speak, of our uh, philanthropic activities for Canada. So my role as community impact manager is effectively to, uh, to help build awareness, but also to build access for people who uh, face barriers to accessing vision care for a variety of reasons uh, in communities all across Canada, so not just here in Ontario. So That's great. I have a comment here. <laughs> Sorry, Martin. First of all, I love I love your title, impact manager. I think uh, must feel good too. You know, was when you're successful, you've had an impact on on what you're doing. But my initial thought to this is, we live in Canada. Don't we all have access to vision care, to eye exams and eyeglasses? Maybe I'm being Toronto centric or something, but. God, we live in a, a developed country, so what's the problem? 
And you know what? That's exactly what I thought going into this uh, type of work as well. Because again, my experience in the optical industry up to uh, the, the, the recent few years had been largely on the commercial side and in operations. And so I saw a very different segment of the, uh, if you want to call it the optical reality uh, of, of what uh, being a Canadian citizen looks like. When you actually look at Canada, it's, there's a lot of challenges for people uh, in terms of vision care in Canada. And the first one is actually just how large Canada is. We're a huge, huge country. Uh, we occupy a, a massive amount of space and yet there's very low population density compared to a lot of the rest of the areas around the world. We only have about four people per square kilometer in Canada, which is a remarkably low number. 90% of Canada's population actually lives in a band sort of uh, towards the southern uh, end of Canada um, that's within less than 250 kilometers of the American border. Uh, the rest of Canada is largely uninhabited. So there's huge spaces where people just don't live. Um, we're largely located in metropolitan areas. So most of our population is uh, about 81% is, is located in a metropolitan area. Um, and one in three lives in, in the, the major, major metropolitan areas in Canada. So Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. But rural communities, so communities outside of this band that we're talking about, make up almost 20% of the population. We have a, a remarkable 200,000 people who live in 300 remote communities, tiny little communities, that are spread into areas where basic utilities are either completely unaffordable or could be an, un, inaccessible. Um, many of these communities are not even accessible year-round by road. And so you start to see how this becomes more difficult for portions of our population to be able to access vision care the way that the rest of us are commonly used to. And when you put this in a healthcare perspective, the challenges are sometimes really easy to overlook. Uh, there's about 6,000 Canadians for each optometrist in Canada uh, and roughly 4,500 Canadians for each optician, which doesn't sound like an insurmountable challenge, but the solution to reaching the millions of uncorrected Canadians isn't as simple as just adding one or more uh, opticians or op optometrists to the bunch. We really have to look at how our population is, is segmented in Canada and also the, the realities of that population in terms of their socioeconomics. That's very interesting, uh, Chris. I mean, I'm sure you just didn't start one day, you woke up and I'm gonna do this, right? So um, how did it start? What was the process? How did, it, you, did you get this up and running? So the Essilor Vision Foundation in Canada, like I said, it was launched in 2015, but it wasn't launched globally in 2015. Essilor Vision Foundation has been around for well over 10 years now. Uh, I think it's closing in on 15 years, uh, but in other countries. Uh, it's, it's very large in the US. Uh, we have a presence in China and, and overseas as well. Uh, but the chapter in Canada was was very new. Uh, and I think that really we instituted the foundation in Canada from the perspective that we wanted to really focus on Essilor's mission, which is to help people see more, be more, and, and be able to live a more full life through better vision. Uh, and that's something that we feel is is a mission that's, that's at our DNA. Uh, it's, it's truly 
what drives us in all of our activities. We believe that good vision is a, is a basic human right. Everybody deserves to be able to see better. Uh, and there's different ways that we can approach this. Uh, I mean, obviously we're delivering on our mission when we commercially uh, act within the market as well. So every time you sell a Verilux lens to a new Presbio, we're delivering on our mission. Uh, every time you protect somebody's vision from blue light when they're sitting behind a screen like we are today uh, with something like Crisal Provencia as a product, that's another way that we deliver on our mission. But not everybody has access uh, either economically or physically has access to those products and to those services uh, at an equal rate or an equal level in Canada. And that's where we really need to look at different solutions, either more socially uh, motivated business models or philanthropic models to try and reach the segments of the population that just don't access vision care uh, because they either cannot afford the glasses or they just don't know that they should be taking care of their eyes the way that they really should. Something else I noticed is that, um, you know, we always talk about educating people about protecting their eyes from their computer, edu uh, educating people, well, all the uncorrected uh, refractive problems. You know, a lot of people just think of people who can't see who are under service is that they have eye diseases. And as you're talking about just getting glasses to these people, getting refractions, eye exams, and glasses to them. And something else that I noticed is that it's a ridiculous amount of people that don't protect their eyes even from the sun. And Essilor, I think, is very um, active in educating people on sun protection, too. So it's just not the refractive issues, but it's actually, and with the ozone layer going, and as you just mentioned about just blue light, whether it's fatigue caused by uh, computer screens or, or, or other hobbies. And that it's, uh, so I imagine Essilor, they're very involved in that, especially with, with the amalgamation to Luxottica, where now you've got the way to frame, haha, frame these lenses that protect the eyes. I know, cheesy, but... Um, nice pun. So, nice pun. Yeah, thank you. Well, <laughs> I set myself up for that one. It was great. So, so yeah, I guess Essilor, so it's, Essilor's involved in every facet of, of protecting eyes, uh, you know, in that. Um, when you're out there doing uh, this type of work, do, is there education brought to the the people who in these underserviced areas too so it's not just hey come in, come in here we're gonna uh, do an eye test hopefully uh get you a pair of glasses is there education about protecting eyes and things like that absolutely i mean awareness is a a prime component of being able to address the the uncorrected refractive error uh that that we see across canada but also the, the various other issues with people protecting their vision correctly and, and caring for their eyes. Um, normally the, the biggest challenge that we will have with dealing with uh, communities and populations where they traditionally have not accessed vision care in the past is that a lot of cases it's, it's simply awareness. Uh, it, vision can be taken for granted very easily. Uh, and in, in the greater scheme of healthcare priorities, often vision is not prioritized correctly. Uh, we see this especially right now with, with the pandemic that we're experiencing and, and the, uh, the adventure that is COVID that we're all uh, 
being trapped in. Uh, vision is often overlooked. And yet the, the reality is, is that yes, you know, that COVID is a very serious issue and, and is a threat to, uh, to our public health. However, vision has not become less of a public health issue. Uh, it, in fact, myopia is increasing in prevalence. And that's what early studies have shown is that the increased screen time through COVID is actually making myopia more of an issue than it was in the past. So there's a a large component of awareness that I think needs to be addressed so that people understand how their eyes work and that taking care of their vision is as important as taking care of other aspects of their health as well. Yeah, we could go down that road actually about myopia control. We could do a, a podcast. Uh, well, we have done some podcasts on that. We have actually have some coming up in the new year, but because a lot of people who would think of uh, myopia control or problems from reading too much or up close work, whereas we have to start with that with two-year-olds, with 18 months, because how many people are shoving iPads in the face, uh, becoming babysitters, right? But there's something else I just wanted to bring up, because again, you talk about, you know, COVID having an effect in that. And I don't know if you have a comment on this or any background, but the notes say that in the U.S., people, I guess, get eye exams and renew their glasses or buy new glasses every two years, and here in Canada, we're 2.7 years. I remember reading a stat similar to that even 20, 30 years ago. And I've always wondered why in a nation like ours, why are we so slow in taking care of our eyes? Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's, it's something that we've definitely watched for a number of years and that we've actively tried to to promote change with. Uh, definitely the renewal rate in Canada affects not only the, the commercial realities of the industry, but also the, uh, the public health aspect of vision across Canada as well. Uh, I think that to a large extent, it's, it's related to the awareness that I speak of. Again, I think vision is very frequently an overlooked uh, element of, of healthcare. Um, a lot of people, even within our own industry that I've spoken to over, over the years, uh, they've sort of shamefully admitted or, or sheepishly admitted that, you know, yeah, it's been a while since I've taken my child to see an eye doctor uh, to, to get an eye exam done. And, and I work in this business, you know, I should know better. Uh, it's very easy to take for granted the fact that you're seeing well. And it's also very easy to not know when you're not seeing well. Uh, especially when you're a child or you haven't experienced proper vision in your life. Uh, it can be very simple to, to just assume that the reality you're seeing is the way that it should be. Uh, and until you actually experience clear vision and proper vision, you don't know what you're missing. I know it's funny. Yeah? Sometimes we think everything works well because we can just see well. We don't think about it till, uh-oh, something's going on and there's a problem here, right? Or might be a problem. Um, Chris, do you think, um, I mean, as ECPs, we always try to, to provide the best uh, health care to our patients and, and promote uh, good eye health. Do you think the government might have, a, uh, could play a bigger role into this system as well? I think government definitely plays an important function because, again, they, they set the health care priority for, uh, for not only the nation, but each province sets the priority for, uh, for the province as well. Um, vision is is something that is not uh, equally regarded in in each province every province has a bit of a different approach to how they deliver uh, vision care services 
And we see that in, especially when you look at uh, programs that are related to children. Uh, some provinces have professional associations, for instance, that will have programs geared towards kindergarten children to access uh, eyewear and, and eye exams. Other provinces don't. Uh, some governments will pay for uh, the cost of a basic eye exam for certain age groups, but how those age groups are determined or set uh, can vary quite a bit from one province to the next and whether or not the province actually pays for those basic vision services uh, and subsidizes that uh, varies quite a bit from one province to the next. So I think that we need to, to approach this from the perspective that government can really set the agenda and saying that all Canadians, again, deserve proper vision. Uh, we all have the same basic human right to be able to see well. Uh, and if it's important for one province to, uh, to, to say that we want to make sure people are seeing well and taking care of their eyes, then all of the provinces should as well. I'm thinking in Ontario, we have 14 million people and the study shows that 900,000 people don't have access to proper vision care. How can that be? You know, we, we live, you know, you're in Ottawa, we're in the Toronto and GTA, Golden Horseshoe area. And we see optical stores on every corner. And, you know, who would ever, like I said earlier, who would ever think that there could be a challenge to it? Um, but Essilor, in trying to bring um, eye care to, to, the, to most people, especially under, under uh, service, I know you have a lot of programs, which we can talk about in the next few minutes. And that, um, of course, we're very interested in talking about opticians because that's what we are and our, our main audience here. And, um, there's a quote here, actually, you gave it to us. Um, Simon Sinek, who a lot of people, I, I've heard him speak a number of times, and I'm, I'm a real fan. And so when it comes to our profession, you know, we all jump into things for different reasons. And a lot of us go to work every day to earn a living. But it's bigger than that. And as professionals, I guess, like Simon Sinek says, you have to ask the question, why? Why do I do this? You know, so I guess you got to self-reflect and say, is it just to make a living or is it to actually help humankind, period? And um, I tend to lean to both when it comes to opticians, because in my experience over the many years, is that you have to care to be an optician. You know, we're problem solvers. Every, every person we sit in front of is a story. It's a family. It's whatever. And they have such unique needs and that. So... We know that through Essilor and the Ontario Optician Association, we're trying to get involved more and more with Essilor all the time with some of your programs and that. So I guess where I'm going here is programs for opticians to get involved. And uh, I, I'm, you know, through this, I'm going to ask you, but also Martin's going to, I'm sure, have a couple things to say because uh, he started to... Uh, I think, dip his toe into that water too, more so than we've done in the past. So where does opticians start with? Maybe you can tell us about some of the programs that you're, uh, you're doing with in Ontario. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the first thing is to start with the numbers that you were talking about. I mean, out of 14 million people in Ontario, almost a million are, are currently not accessing vision care uh, the same way that you or I would. Uh, and the reasons are, are very basic. As, as much as we frequently look at our own uh, social spheres and, and our own colleagues and so on, 
uh, and sort of assume that the rest of uh, the the city around us or the province around us is is similar. There's very different realities uh, across Ontario. One in seven live in poverty, uh, which is a, a huge number when you really think about it. That represents, from a Canada perspective, that's almost five million people. Uh, there are 870,000 Indigenous people across Canada, and a lot of them are in, in uh, the northern regions, including northern Ontario. Uh, and ODSP, which is uh, obviously the Disability Subsidy Program here in Ontario, is accessed by a million people. And that gives you a little bit of a perspective on how many people are living a very different reality from maybe what you or I are. Um, that, that is the population that really the industry needs to turn its, its eyes towards a little bit. Uh, pardon the pun with the eyes, I guess. <laughs> uh, but it, it does start with that why. I mean, what is the motivating, uh, what is the motivating urge behind what you do? Uh, what, what made you want to become an optician? And in my view, opticians have a unique and very exciting uh, function in that you're able to influence probably one of the, the most important ways that people experience their world, and that's through their eyes. Uh, you know, being a dermatologist is obviously important as well, but opticians can literally change how you are able to see and experience the, the sights around you and experience the beauty of the world, but also the ability for a child to learn and to be able to read, to develop socially with their friends. Uh, everything starts with your vision. Uh, we always say, you know, 80% of what you learn comes from the eyes. Uh, most of what you experience in the world comes from your eyes as well. So to be an optician is hugely important and hugely impactful, uh, but it's not just about selling glasses it's not just about you know fitting a progressive lens it's really about seeing how that vocation um, and that that function in life can really change the lives of others around you and I think that is how opticianry can really sort of not reinvent itself but I think repurpose itself in some in some senses to turn itself more towards the social good uh, more than it has in the past and, and take a new direction a little bit. Uh, that's sort of what motivated me with the change of direction in my career within Essilor. I saw the opportunity to be able to make that kind of an impact uh, while, you know, leveraging the skills and experiences that I've had through my, my time working with, uh, with Essilor Luxotica. Um, but it, it gives you a different sense of accomplishment when you're able to help a child who's never seen clearly before, see their parents for the first time, um, to be able to put a pair of glasses on a, a senior who hasn't been able to see their spouse clearly in many years. Uh, it gives you a very different feeling uh, to be able to do that. And it's, uh, it's a, a privilege, honestly, to be able to experience changing people's lives that way. I think there's a few of us out there that can tell um... There's no such feeling as seeing somebody put on a pair of glasses for their first time and seeing the awe on their face and the smile that comes with it. You feel like a million bucks, all right? Yeah. And a lot of opticians, I would say all opticians in Ontario right now, I've experienced that at some point in their career. And it's, 
I'm, that might sound bad, but it's a drug that you get addicted to, right? It's it's so pleasing. You feel so comfortable and so happy to be able to help somebody else. And that may be bringing me back uh, to the next point. Um, a lot of us uh, opticians, we work in stores like you've mentioned before. And maybe this is now the time that we need to actually venture out of our stores and you know, really get involved in the community. We're going to have to go educate and find people and find community leaders to help us out in doing these things. And that's one of the aspects of some of the missions that you're making or uh, creating um, brings that all together. So maybe Chris, you can tell us how does it start? How do you create a project? Uh, where do you go? Do you just talk to a couple people, a couple opticians, a couple optometrists? I mean, we know the school board sometimes is not as easy to get through. Um, so maybe you can give us a little bit of a step-by-step -step how you get there. So when I look back on my, uh, my studies in university, I studied philosophy in university uh, and English literature. It was uh, one of my courses. There's a quote that I remember all the time from Jacques Ellul, who is a French philosopher. Uh, and the, the quote went, you know, think globally, act locally. And I think that's really the key to making an impact socially in the, the vision care services. Uh, we really have to think of a vision as a global problem and how can we act on uh, addressing that problem on a local level. And it starts with leadership. It starts with leadership from professionals, such as opticians, because we need people to operate on the ground. Um, we can be a strong partner uh, to be able to help you to deliver different ways of, of helping your community, but it truly starts with the people within the community that can take a leadership role, that have the professional expertise and the knowledge to be able to, to help people with their vision. And so some, some examples, I mean, uh, innovative business models, they, that's a, a strong way for us to build sustainable impact within communities. Uh, more and more, the access to vision care means exploring the ability to bring a service to a patient instead of bringing a patient to the service. Uh, and I think that when we're talking about that, we're talking about things like mobile practices, uh, the ability to actually uh, take uh, a vision care van or a vision care bus. And in some cases, we've seen in the past with uh, Luxottica, the vision van that uh, lens crafters runs through one site. Uh, these, these types of, of mobile practices can travel to an area where services are needed, uh, but services don't currently exist and bring with it all of the equipment, the supplies necessary to provide the equivalent of the services that would normally be provided in a traditional office. We're actively engaging with optometrists and opticians who are interested in creating social impact this way. Uh, and in fact, for, for example, in Manitoba, we've partnered with a mobile clinic that uses some of the newest technology uh, available to be able to provide eye exams, uh, as well as glasses for underserved kids in the Winnipeg School District. And we're really proud of this, this initiative. It's, it's a, an initiative that's helped us to examine more than 3,000 students uh, and provide glasses for over 1,000 of them just in the last school year alone, and that's despite COVID. Uh, so it's, it's an excellent initiative and it's something that we definitely see uh, being a, a possibility for other areas in Canada and even in Ontario. And I do want to note that this is an optician-led initiative. 
it's an optician who actually runs this as a social enterprise. So Chris, you mentioned about the program in Winnipeg uh, that you partner with one of the opticians. I think it's great. Um, a lot of times people set up clinics and, uh, and expect people to find the clinic and people to come out to a clinic or whatever, where I, I really like this program where you actually go out to the school and find people in an atmosphere where they feel comfortable and they will access you know, the, avail the availability. So I, I think that's great. And uh, maybe you can tell us about I know you guys are partnering with La Cité, which is another opticianry, um, has a program for opticians, and you're doing some good work there. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, La Cité is a, a, a small um, francophone college here in, in Ottawa, uh, and they actually just launched over the last three years, I think it was in 2018, they launched a... Uh, a program to train not only optometric assistants but also opticians um, and the instruction is all all done in, in French uh, and I've been fortunate to to get to know the the program and the instructors very well uh, and to work with them a little bit and just in this last year we've partnered on uh, a local initiative that we launched on World Sight Day uh, in October uh, in partnership as well with optometry, where we brought a, a full vision clinic to a local First Nations uh, healthcare center in Ottawa called the Wabano Center. And the Wabano Center is a, a, a great model in the sense that they do truly a, a very comprehensive sort of wraparound care for First Nations and Indigenous people in an urban center like Ottawa. Uh, and it becomes a very trusted environment for, uh, for people from that community uh, where they feel that they can uh, access medical care, dental care, uh, uh, counseling and, and different services uh, in a very safe uh, and culturally appropriate way. The only difficulty is, is that they've never had any kind of provision of vision care services. And so this, this pilot that we, we initiated on World Sight Day was focused on the idea of trying to show a proof of concept of integrating vision care into this type of community healthcare setting. Uh, we set up a, a full clinic with uh, state-of-the-art equipment for, for examinations and had an optometrist there for five days, full-time uh, providing uh, eye exams for patients of, uh, of Wapano Center. Uh, and Les Cité Collegiale had their uh, their instructors as well as some of their students on hand to participate as well in the fitting of glasses and taking measurements, uh, educating patients about how to take care of their eyes properly, but also uh, the importance of wearing their glasses. Uh, we saw a total of, uh, I think it was just short of 50 patients that we saw uh, over the course of that week. Uh, and out of those 50 patients, the vast majority of them, I think there were 42 pair of glasses that we actually dispensed. So you can already see that when you look at a, a, a typical practice, um, the, the conversion rate between exam and, and prescription is much lower. Um, the, the First Nations communities and Indigenous people, there's a higher prevalence of, of vision problems uh, and visual health problems as well. Uh, so I think it was a very impactful uh, week uh, that the pilot was, was very successful. Everybody had a blast. The, uh, the students were having a, a ton of fun being able to interact with the, uh, the clients of Wapano Centre. 
everybody was was smiling from ear to ear. Um, and I've, I've received a lot of positive feedback about that that experience as a whole, which we're now looking to try and convert into a permanent clinic. So moving forward, we're, we're hoping to make this a, uh, a permanent standing clinic at the Wabano Centre to be able to continue bringing this kind of uh, a service and impact to their clients. What a great way for a student to experience something like this when really they're just starting in the field, right? Uh, what a positive, positive, I mean, just the sheer numbers, 42 out of 50, that's a high percentage. Um, are, are you expecting that going forward or just that's just maybe one of, because it was, they picked up the people they thought needed the, the glasses or the eye care as quick as possible? I think definitely we were seeing the impact of, of a little bit of uh, patient um patient selection bias in a sense, because we were, we were largely working with a lot of the patients that were being followed for uh, diabetes and, and diabetic follow-up uh, through the Wabano Center for that week. Uh, so I, I would expect that the percentage would, would drop a little bit uh, if we were seeing the larger population of, of Indigenous people as a whole. But, it, you know, this, this highlights a gap in, in understanding and knowledge. Uh, we, we don't really have a very good, clear picture in Canada or in Ontario of what the vision care need truly is. We often refer to a statistic that, that says, you know, 6% of the population is uncorrected. So that represents 2.2 million people in Canada. Uh, a little bit less than a million of those would be children. Um, but the reality is, is that those studies are based on surveys. Surveys tend to exclude certain uh, age ranges and groups. There's a bias built into it because the survey is delivered in a certain manner, usually on online or through the phone. Not everybody has access to the internet. Not everybody has a phone. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're still working to develop a better picture of what that looks like. What we do know anecdotally, speaking with uh, First Nations healthcare uh, associations and organizations across Canada uh, is that there is a, a much higher need and a much higher prevalence of, uh, of need for vision care for First Nations people than what we see in the population generally. Uh, and so I would expect that, you know, the, the percentage is probably closer to 60 to 70 percent of, of First Nations people probably are experiencing either poor vision or some other uh, healthcare related issue with their eyes. So it's a, a serious problem. So obviously this problem, you're telling us it's existing everywhere, whether it's a remote area, whether it's, you know, in, in the cities, you know, like in Winnipeg and that, Ottawa, um, it's, it's around us. It's, it's here. It's around us. We're not all aware of it. And Essler has to find places to start. So another program that uh, we're aware of and, and the OOA hopes to partner with you on as one of the partners is who would ever think that even to go to Seneca College, where, again, you have to have a starting point. So I know just from our meetings and that, um, that at Seneca, there's a you're putting the steps together to reach out to people because even people going to college have these needs that some people, they just can't afford. They might not, 
they just don't go and get their eyes examined. They might not be able, able to afford a pair of glasses, which will impact their studies, of course. Maybe you can give us an idea because I, being in on the ground floor, you know, as being a fly on the wall in some of these meetings that I've been, um, I find it interesting how you find to, you build. You start with a certain group and then you kind of build out from there. So maybe you can give us a bit of an idea, for instance, like with the Seneca project, how, how it's developing. Yeah, absolutely. Seneca is uh, is a great partner of ours, and we're happy to accompany them on this this journey of creating this program uh, for their their community. Not only the Seneca community, but the community around Seneca College as a whole. Uh, and it is starting with their um, their optician students, uh, both the full time as well as the part time students, because I think it's important that you do start with the, the future vision leaders uh, and really instill the the importance of this type of uh, an activity with them at an early stage. Uh, the idea really is to be able to look at the, the student population and say that, you know, just because you're going to college doesn't mean that you necessarily are in a good position to be able to afford eyeglasses. Uh, a lot of students are on, on some form of uh, financial support in order to be able to go to school, uh, pay their tuition and so on. Uh, finances can be strapped. I've, I've been a student many years ago, so I, I remember what that was like, uh, you know, working to try and pay your tuition and pay your way through school. Uh, glasses can can be, in some cases, a, a, an expense that you just see as being a luxury rather than a need. And the reality is, is like you said, Lauren, uh, you need to be able to see to be able to learn, uh, especially now with hybrid learning, learning online, uh, the, the amount of reading that is done now is, is tremendous. Uh, so what we wanna be able to do is really instill uh, a, a sense of the importance of taking care of your eyes uh, to all Seneca students, uh, but also to provide them with a pathway where they can access vision care on campus uh, in an affordable manner. Uh, and also in a supported way in that if a student will not be able to afford and has financial need, um, they can still access vision care and, and, and eyeglasses will support that. Our foundation will support that. Uh, and I think that that's, that's the important step is that Essilor's foundation can act as a, a partner in these programs to be able to say, you know, we can, uh, through Essilor, we can provide vision care at different uh, different price points. Um, we can provide eyeglasses at very entry-level price points that are affordable for most Canadians. Uh, but for the students at Seneca who are unable to afford even that, we want to make sure that they're still corrected. We'll, we'll support that through our foundation and donate the eyewear. That's wonderful. I mean, a quick question that comes to mind, Chris, uh, for me is that that's great. We're providing them with a nice uh, a good eye exam, a, a good pair of glasses so they can function properly. But what's the next step after that? How do we make sure that these consumers understand that going forward, they still need to go see their optometrist every two years uh, or they, they need to upgrade their glasses? Is there a little bit of education there that, that, that's done at the same time towards eye care and eye, eye health? Absolutely. And it has to start with you guys. It starts with opticians and it's, it, it starts with optometrists. But I think largely the, the burden for that honestly should, should, should and does fall on opticians. And in many cases, uh, you are the last professional that 
this person will see as they go through their, their journey with vision care. Uh, they've already seen the eye doctor and received a prescription, and now they're seeing you for the eyeglasses uh, to, to actually get the solution to their problem. Uh, you have a, a tremendous ability to be able to impart that kind of uh, an awareness and knowledge on the people that you see and the, the people that you, uh, you help. So I think that opticians have a, a very important role in creating that level of, of education for their patients uh, to make them understand uh, the importance of uh, experiencing vision care that first time, but also to continue to access vision care in the future and make sure that you know your problem isn't solved because you've got a pair of glasses in a couple of years, you're probably going to need to have that looked at again. And vision care isn't just about being able to be corrected, it's also about taking care of the health of your eyes. And sometimes you're not necessarily going to experience a symptom or a, a visual sign that there's a problem happening with your eyes. There could be other things happening that are silently working away uh, that need to be identified and addressed. And that's only going to happen if you continue to go through the process of getting your eyes examined, seeing your optician and getting the, the correction that you need. Love it. I totally agree with you. It is it is our responsibility at the end of the day to make sure that these clients are looked after for the years to come and make sure that they get the proper care. Chris, how do opticians get involved? They start by getting in touch. We would love to hear from opticians who want to do things in their community. Honestly, if, if I were flooded with emails and calls saying, I've got an idea for something that I want to do in my local area, uh, that would be a problem I would love to have. Uh, again, we need vision leaders in the community, and it starts with the professionals. Um, you guys have the, the best knowledge of your own local area and the, the local groups. We can provide guidance in terms of how to connect with local nonprofits, local NGOs, uh, organizations like school boards, for instance. Uh, we can make those connections. We can help to equip you and supply you. Uh, and we can provide training and, and support from that perspective as well. But honestly, we need operators. We need people who are going to lead the action on the ground. And that's where opticians can be the most useful in creating this kind of change. Uh, but it has to start with you guys. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to quote uh, one of my favorite guys on TV, uh, Barney Stinson, challenge accepted. People can definitely contact the OOA and uh, we'll be happy to, to help them. And we want to get involved and keep getting involved ourselves. No, Lauren, that's great. Are you going to mention something? Well, I, probably just to slot in before you said that. But, um, I think that the one of the routes that uh, you guys, Esler, are taking is getting out there. And, you know, the students at the teaching colleges, the opticianry students, to be able to benefit from these programs, hopefully you're building the foundation of even more people once they get out into the field and start practicing their profession, that they'll realize that giving back is a really big part of being a healthcare professional and especially an optician. So ingraining it and them experiencing it in the at the beginning of their career in their educational piece, I'm thinking that you guys are really going the right route to 
build this build this foundation going forward. So there will be that many more people volunteering and trying to get involved. So as you said, the best way to get involved for opticians would be to either contact Essilor or even, not even, but contact the Ontario Opticians Association because we work closely with Essilor and we're working with some newer programs. We hope to get even more involved and we're very accessible. And as you said, Chris, opticians, and I'll use our quote here, we're the front line of vision care, especially in Ontario with the OOA. So contact us. We'll set you up on one of the programs we're working with Essler with, or just to get them in touch with you with all the wonderful programs you have going on uh, already. So again, we really appreciate you coming on and telling us about Essler's story. Um, people don't always realize the philanthropy that uh, some major companies do. People sometimes focus on just the business aspect, but it's wonderful. And kudos to Essler slash Luxotica for giving back and for playing an altruistic role also in our profession. So I thank you. No, and thank you guys for, uh, for inviting me to speak with you. I mean, it's, it's a, a brief introduction, I think, to what we're trying to build. And honestly, it is a, a collaborative process. We are looking to work with our partners, both in uh, professional organizations like the OOA, uh, as well as at the uh, the front line, as you say, in in practices and offices across the the province, uh, we can't do the work on our own. Uh, we can provide a lot of uh, those blueprint models and uh, a lot of the equipment and the know how, uh, and help to connect you either through our commercial organization or through our philanthropic foundation with the Essler Vision Foundation in Canada. Uh, but we honestly need you guys to be able to, to make this work. Uh, and whether that's a school program or a mobile clinic, uh, there's, there's a number of ways for people to be involved. And I really look forward to being able to work with opticianry students as well as opticians to make this happen in Ontario. I think that we can make a great change together. Chris, you're the man. Thank you very much again for coming on today i'm really looking forward to working with you in the new year towards uh these new goals 2022 is going to be an exciting year looking forward to it it's yeah, thank you so much chris thank you so much appreciate you coming on i gotta say stay safe because we're still involved in this crazy world right now absolutely you too guys thank you very much thank, thank you. you well that was quite a discussion martin um i want to thank chris for coming on today making time for us at this busy time of year. Um, Martin, uh, what do you think about what went on today? Well, I, I think it showed a side that people don't necessarily think about. They don't realize how impactful uh, good work in your community can do uh, for, uh, for everybody, uh, for the business, for our soul, uh, for just everybody involved. And again, it, it usually puts a smile on our face. Uh, it's so nice to be able to give back and see results when we give back. I can't thank uh, Chris enough for coming on today and, and telling us all about the, the, the mission that Essilor slash Luxottica has. Thank you to Essilor Luxottica for being part of these projects. Thank you for them as well for sponsoring today's uh, episode. Again, guys, if you guys want to get involved, please reach out we would be happy to put you in touch with the right people. Um, even myself, personally, I'm starting to work with Chris on, on the, uh, a project in the Niagara region. Very excited, very looking forward to get that going. 
um, then yeah, Lawrence, are you going to say something? Yeah, you know what? And, you know, and I, kudos to you for getting involved. That's wonderful. You're leading by example, which is huge. And I think at the end of the day, as I mentioned earlier, the quote from Simon Sinek, let's think about the why we practice optionary. That's, that's definitely something good to reflect on, right? Well, again, Lauren, thank you very much. It was a really nice uh, episode today of See What We See with Lauren and Martin. Can't wait for our next one. Uh, we'll hopefully chat to you with you soon. Take care, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye, Martin. See everybody soon. Thank you for listening to See What We See. This podcast is brought to you by the Ontario Opticians Association. For more information or to become a member, go to our website at www.ontario-opticians.com. For all the latest updates, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Ontario Opticians Association, on Twitter, OOA underscore Frontline, and on LinkedIn, Ontario-Opticians-Association. Don't miss an episode of See What We See and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming service. Thank you from the Ontario Opticians Association, the voice of opticians for 75 years.